You're listening to the Nomcast, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. Hello, and welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. All right, on this 151st episode of the show, we will review the World War II era historical drama, Munich, The Edge of War. Plus, we will tackle some of the latest Netflix film news, and we will do all this with film blogger Chris Frodell of Arguing With Myself. How are you, sir? Thanks for coming on. Good night, (laughs) <laughs> yes good, good evening i guess yes for for everyone who needs to know full disclosure uh frodel is german uh so if you see him <laughs> possibly taking the wrong side i don't know i'm just speculating uh that maybe there'll be some kernel of truth uh, or something in his background for that i don't know just speculating but uh i think or, i think you're in the clear at this point right or maybe i can see if i can change your minds <laughs> this I don't know. I don't know. When we dance, yeah, uh, <laughs> touch my monkey. Could, couldn't help but see your David Hasselhoff poster in the background. So I don't know where this is going to go. That yeah. is signed. <laughs> of course, he's beefy. Um, <laughs> but thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. I figure, you know, obviously, like I said, we'll we'll get to the big review at the end uh very much looking forward to that as you and i have gone through uh i think uh, all our history class notes from high yes. school and college to try to see if we can wrap our minds around uh that one but let's start with some news shall we i'm gonna kind of go in terms of hmm how should i put this hmm. my least anticipated to most anticipated you okay with that uh, see if we sure. line up yeah. all right yeah that's all how right countdowns are you know it works all right so i'll start with the one that i'm kind of just you know it's news um (laughs) (laughs) red notice which Mm -hmm. was the most watched netflix original movie of all time um has you know dropped this past year mixed reviews definitely soured reviews on this podcast and of course because when you have something that successful there's gonna be potentially sequels abound and news came out that they are shooting back-to-back sequels of red notice with the main trio back in the fold and the writer director also back in the fold that's going to start production in early 2023 chris how do you feel about that do you think this was something that was inevitable uh something that you know you're looking forward to where do you stand on the Red Notice sequels. Well, it's not like they had an ironclad script so they can go anywhere <laughs> with this. You Very know? true. Yeah, something, whether it's true or not, if it was the most watched, if it's the most successful ever to be on Netflix's streaming platform, then good on them. Uh, right. Yes, they're going to be looking for sequels. Back-to-back sequels? That's yeah. a little bold, you know? Uh, especially for the price tag that the first one was and you would imagine that they're going to do the same or more for the sequels that is an embarrassment of riches that is well that's how you get three big stars to be there 
That's true. That's true. A lot of people clamored for, you know, the three of them being together in a film. But uh, poor Ryan Reynolds, he just wants to take a break from acting and you're going to just <laughs> shove him back in front of the camera again. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because, like, there was a big article right after Red Notice came out. You know, he had a big mm. year this year between yeah. Red Notice, Free Guy, you know, had, had big IP stuff come out. And, yeah. you know, he was just like, yeah, I want to take a little sabbatical, a little break. Now, he did say that, you know, kind of with commitments and stuff, it wasn't going to be long. They said, like, he needed, like, six months off yeah. or something like that. So he's going to get his wish if this is the first thing he's doing, which I don't know that for certain. Probably um, not. But if this is starting in early 2023, you know, that's a year away. So, you know, hopefully, you know, he does get his rest. You know, the man works very hard. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is something that, you know, I'm going to end up watching probably at least the second one. And if it's still kind of like a very muddled mess probably a reluctant third if we're still doing this podcast all the way that far out but like yeah this is one of those things where you're right the way it ended the way basically that movie was all just we don't care what this movie's about we just need to get them all three on the same page right. by the end of the movie and so that's where you're basically starting from because to me the end thing that the the movie ends with or whatever that they all have to go on this mission or whatever it's yeah. like okay um, but we don't know any details about it. We don't have any clue. We don't really know these characters that well, besides no. that they like to double cross each other, uh, to know, even speculate what type of movie this is going to be or, you know, what the direction of the plot is going to be. So it's very much a, eh, a yeah. kind of feeling when I read this that I was like, yeah, I knew this was probably going to happen, but it wasn't something that, you know, I'm really looking forward to. But, you know, they're going to happen, and they're going to get these big stars together, and they'll probably be, quote, successful, you know, yeah. like, as far as, you know, viewing metrics, which is basically all Netflix wanted, wants to do right now. And Netflix seems to also, not only being franchise-hungry, but they're also, you know, really into making these action blockbusters that people want to see, because yeah. as you can see this past year... The only thing that was working in movie theaters and also on the streamers, like the most watched things are all these big either franchise IP or action or and or both. So this one, yeah. fit, it fits the bill, but it's also I can't I don't know one person in my life that was like, whoa, 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 you got it wrong about Red Nose. That was awesome. <laughs> no one. I've seen people nope. defend a lot of things and no one has come to me and be like. Man, love that red notice. I, I, I can't think of anybody that I know. Maybe, you know, oh, it was fun. It was fun. You'll hear that, but it's like, uh, really? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. So it didn't make your top five of the year this past year? Oh, no. No. <laughs> and even with the sequels, when they come out, I can either uh, choose to watch them or just I'll be halfway through and I can pull the cord. I'd be yeah. like, I'm out. It's great. You're not you're not going to take my time. Yeah, I think now based on how these went the first time around I saw Red Notice in the theater. Yes. And I think this time around maybe I'll take my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh not to say that you're on the hype train, but you're like, you know, this can be a big deal, which it was. Right. And so I was, you... yeah, I was half right. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you went to the theater and, you know, I'm sure uh, that helps a little bit with uh, the excitement of things. You would uh, think. But then, you know, when you let it wash over you, when you get to uh, actually analyze it, you're right. like, none of that made sense. No, so it was not just even like, a little bit. No. <laughs> uh, you know, my my eyes are strained from trying to uh, figure out where the uh, the plot was going. Yeah, and the interesting part will really be for me with the sequels is that especially if they're waiting until 2023 the hope is obviously pandemic protocols will be out of the picture maybe and and they can get back to a a normal kind of set because one of the big things about watching that first red notice movie was like it looked so cheap because it was all shot in green screen in atlanta you know and and it it was this movie that was this jet setter kind of like all over the world you know global event this and then you like look at it and you like clearly see that these are yeah. are are green screened all CGI uh, backdrops where I think they did like you know some interstitial like cut ins and stuff that like yeah. some group will go over and just shoot some but nothing of the actual you know events and the big action sequences these things where if you're trying to compete with the Fast and the Furious Mission Impossible Bond type of people. Yeah. Uh, you need to utilize that giant budget that you have uh, and actually put the production values at work. I do yeah. feel bad for them that they weren't able to do it maybe the way they drew it up. So there is that. But, you know, hopefully, if I'm going to be invested in the sequels, the first thing I'm looking at in the trailer is how fake and terrible does this look? Oh, my God. I mean, uh, 1940s era uh, drive-alongs. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, with the obvious fake screen. Yeah, uh, those were less obvious than for sure. Uh, Red Notice. Yeah, when it looks the same quality of when someone's falling off a cliff or on the side of a cliff as like watching North by Northwest, <laughs> you know, it's like no, 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 no. It shouldn't yeah. look anywhere near the same. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a eh feeling from both of us, I guess. Yeah. Next one I wanted to talk about uh, is something that really kind of irks me, but it's something that I may actually enjoy, but the raid films, which are something that's near and dear to my heart. We talked about it, uh, when you and Shane were on for, uh, the Asian, uh, double feature that we did where it was, uh, the night comes for us, which I made a lot of comparisons to the raid movies, uh, with that, because it has a lot of the same stars. I think it had the same, uh, stunt coordinators and and things of that nature so you know that's as close to probably what i thought you know future raid movies or raid copies would look like yeah um, and i enjoyed it so that's why i'm kind of like in between about this one because gareth evans who made the originals is now executive producing alongside producer michael bay to remake the raid films for netflix um they are going to be co-written and directed by patrick hughes who previously directed the Hitman's Bodyguard movies. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, and its sequel. Yeah. Uh, He also made The Expendables 3 as well. Um, This one is going to be, you know, an American version, so it's set in Philadelphia, um, where it's going to be about an international fugitive and his thugs trapping a small special ops force inside a building. For anyone who's seen the original, that's, you know, obviously very reminiscent, where, like, kind of a... 
a SWAT team ish kind of goes into a building and just it's all like close contact, amazing, yeah. you know, between the gunplay and the martial arts and everything else. It's just the coolest, like most brutal, stylish action movie I think I've almost ever seen in terms of yeah. the action quality. You know, it rem it brought me back to like when I watched Hard Boiled when I was younger or any yep. of those type of like crazy John Woo John type Woo. movies yeah. uh, back in the day. So obviously between the three of them, you would think they could put their heads together and get the right people in the right place and hopefully make something that will be close and enjoyable, but not the same would be probably where the bar would be for me. Yeah. Um, but we'll see, you know, it looks like, you know, uh, it's something that the, the U S has been trying to make a version of the raid for many years to no yeah. avail, but it looks like this one is actually going to take, and they're very excited about Hughes's take on this. So, you know, if they're excited, I'm excited. Right, Chris? Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, I look at it as, is it really necessary or are any films really necessary, especially yeah, remakes? <laughs> uh, but with the raid, it's already great as it is. Yeah, it's it's accessible to anybody. Yeah, there's really no, it's not really dialogue heavy. It's not uh, kind of oh, it's got this European style or this sure. Asian cinema style that only uh, Asians know. No, right. it's universal. Sure. So. For them to remake the story is just redundant. Yeah. You already have something great. Unless you're going to expand on that, unless you're going to move forward with uh, like the Raid 3 or, you know, right. so on, then there's no need for you to revisit. The only thing I'm hoping for is that they start off by saying an international fugitive. I wonder if it will be played by one of the original people from the raid films and, yeah. and kind of start with that so that's optimism i also maybe look at it as uh evil dead and evil dead 2 right where you're you making, know uh, well honestly you, that's what the have, raid 2 felt like it was basically true. like hey we have the formula let's just rock this again <laughs> it was right. good um but so better budget yeah. uh right. you know more cohesive yeah right. uh look at it like that but Americanized? I don't yeah. know. Like, uh, I'm not really confident on the uh, people involved either, except for Gareth Evans. Right. But, but he's the person with the schlocky. most hands off. Yeah. Right. And Hughes, like, come on. His resume doesn't exactly, you know, give me full confidence. Yeah. What's weird is because the article that I read about was like, he's like the hottest action director. I'm like, slow down. No, he's yeah. not. <laughs> no. Nope. I heard the same conversation about Thurber, who did uh, Red Notice. It's like, well, you know, he's got all these other rock films under his belt, and, you know, they were super successful. It's like, okay, but were they that good? And the answer is not really. And then also Red Notice now sucks, so proof <laughs> is in that. So I guess, you know, it's one of those things, yeah. if you get the right stunt coordinator, sometimes you can pull off, you know, the impossible. So if they bring the same people in from the raid films to yeah. do these, I could, I could be talked into it, but again, it's the right casting. It's the right yeah. people involved. It's, it's, so it's a decent start. If you're gonna remake it 
or kind of do a as uh the scream franchise has now said reboot cool or requel Re- or, uh, or something yeah. like that yeah yeah so this is kind uh. of that we'll see how much the the old players are involved but like i said i'm up for anything if they can duplicate even close to the action stuff because again like yeah. you said it's not dialogue heavy it's not no. super plot driven it was turn this on and let the mayhem ensue so yeah. you know as long, especially with something uh pr- Produced by Michael Bay is very different from directed by Michael Bay. True. There's a sheen maybe to them that is common, but it's not something to where it's the hallmarks of what he directs. So I'm hoping, isn't it sad where I'm saying, I'm hoping it's closer to like Hugh's vision because it's like, (laughs) no, I don't know if I really mean that. But like, you know, at least it'll be something that's maybe closer to like that kind of violence that he's more into because Bay has never been, you know, hand to hand combat, you know, you know, close quarter fighting, that kind of stuff. So my hope is, is that all within camera. Yeah. He likes these sweeping big set pieces, uh, you know, with either cars or helicopters or like these big kind of almost war epic type stuff. Um, obviously with Pearl Harbor included there. Um, so, He's he's a very different cat, but they all have kind of the same impulses um, from what they were kind of saying in the room. And they're all all three of these guys are all represented by the same person or yes. the same company. Excuse me. Yep. So I guess it was easy to kind of get them in a room, get excited, shake it out and then go from there. So um, but to show you how everybody's been interested in this, this just came about because the rights to the last person who had the reboot rights just yep. expired. So this movie, what was the original rate over a decade ago now? I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, this like, is it, insane. It, more. Yeah. So th- it's been a long time. So we'll see. I'm, they've thrown probably every version of this story at someone over the last uh, decade plus here. So, you know, we'll see what they end up coming up with, but I'm at least more excited about that than Red Notice because at least Red Notice, you'll literally bring back all the pieces that literally just left me with a bad taste in my mouth. This one, at least I'm like, all right, there's been enough time since those older films. I haven't seen a lot of those characters pop up in American cinema or at least in any kind of prominent way recently. So maybe if they could bring some of that magic back in, set in Philadelphia and just let it ride. Yeah. Maybe it could be at least a worthy watch. Not saying that it holds a candle. It's just, you know, something else. The only difference is that they are also are calling it The Raid. So they're not even playing with the title um, at this point either. So I uh. had missed that. Uh, you know, <laughs> either throw the in front of it or uh, put a, the year after it. You know yes. what I mean? That's the only way you're going to determine which one you're watching. Or yeah. which one you're searching for. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know you uh, you just reviewed Scream, so we could talk about yeah. this in, in some kind of fashion. I hate it. Hate it with a passion when they make it and don't put, like, the, you know, sequel number or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. You made a whole cloth different movie. This is not a reboot. This is not a re... Well, sorry. This is not a remake, <laughs> a direct remake. Right. Uh, it's at least a sequel... But it's uh, yeah. It, uh, I know it's new terminology. I I'm I just I, I turn into an old man. I'm like ah, oh, that's not what it's called. Yeah, or at least just be like, 
come up with a new franchise. You have all these, like the people who make Ready or Not couldn't come up with, you know, something out of whole cloth. But anyway, yeah. I I can't complain too much. I like the movie enough, uh, the Scream reboot quote, whatever. Uh-huh. But uh, it, you know, it was a decent time at the movies. Um, uh-huh. But to me, I just it, it, there's a lot of things that I'm just kind of getting over, like too many meta movies. Like I saw that in Spider Man uh, No Way Home in the same yeah. week, and I was just like, "All right, I'm all metaed out for like the yeah. rest of the year. I'm just fucking done." So that, oh, it's too fun. much. Um, all right, man. Last bit yeah. of news. I I will say high optimism. High, okay. high excitement, the whole deal. Uh, the Daily Mail broke a story a couple weeks back that Wes Anderson is set to direct the Raul Dahl film, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, and it, to play the, the title role is Dr. Strange himself, Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict um, Cumberbatch. This is part of a, like a larger deal that Netflix made back in September where they acquired the whole kit and caboodle, the whole Raul Dahl catalog, mm-hmm. and they've already been at work with um, a Taika Waititi, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory series is in the works, uh, a new Matilda musical. Yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of things already happening, and this is all with uh, Wes Anderson already having one film scheduled for release in 2022 that he's already shot i don't know if it's fully completed yet mm-hmm. uh it's called asteroid city it's a romantic dramedy that's starring everyone in the world including tom hanks margot robbie and scarlett johansson just to to name yep. a few and literally that's only a few there's like yeah. 15 20 people it's like bigger than french dispatch numbers yeah. um but this movie it's gonna be interesting because uh it the book is a collection of short stories uh, seven in total. So I don't know if it's going to be structured like French Dispatch, where it's like little stories that kind of really don't, you know, fall over each other or, you know, yeah. uh, tie in, or whether it's going to be the broadening of just one of those stories and then make it. So where do you fall with the excitement level? Are you a Raul Dahl fan? Are you a Wes Anderson fan? Where do you fit with this news? I am a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory fan. For sure. uh, and in, I guess, hindsight, because I wasn't really uh, a huge reader <clears throat> back in the day, uh, right. Roald Dahl is fine line between adult yeah. and childlike sensibilities. Sure. It's just amazing that, you know, he had the career that he did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, stories like the Jabberwocky you know, uh, w- witches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is heavy stuff. This is like <laughs> nightmare inducing stuff. Yeah. To, uh, you know, depending on the kid watching. Sure. Um, I think if you can, if you can dip into his other stories, his other books, his other properties, all the better, you know, stop going back to the same. Well, uh, I know Taika has his visions, but you know, unless I'm really wowed by that first trailer or that first look of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. His other stories, great, you know, adapt those. Uh, sure. Show us what else he's got. Maybe it'll encourage uh, you know people to look back at those books. You know, yeah, if they're not already fans, for sure. And, and 
to me, I think that's part of the appeal of what this news is. You got a guy like Wes Anderson who has done a doll project before with Fantastic yep. Mr. Fox. You got him doing uh, a story that I haven't read or, or I don't know too much. I haven't read this collection of short stories. So right. um, it's something that if he can already get someone huge like Cumberbatch to come on board, um, I believe there's even more uh, people who were announced, possibly Dev Patel, I think. Yes, and I, um, I remember seeing that. Oh, uh, Ben Kingsley. Yeah, Ben Kingsley, uh, yeah. I think, was announced too. So, like, there's a yeah. bunch of people either in talks or have signed on to this thing already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to me, I, I, I'm in. And especially, I like the French Dispatch quite a bit. I know a lot of people don't talk it up like his other right. movies, but I liked it a lot more than some of his uh, more recent work. So, I like, I was laughing in the theater. <laughs> you know, I was I was getting along with it. I loved uh a certain of those stories there was no story that was just like all right let's just get this one over with and let's move on so i thought they all had their merits and and some of them were just really fun so you know even like like i thought tilda swinton who was basically playing this like bumbling kind of almost like drunk ted talk host kind of a thing was like all right you know this is amazing i was laughing my head off so you know and she'll be in uh that asteroid city one too because everyone is um but (laughs) But this one, I'm excited because, you know, I think when the deal was announced that back in September with the whole catalog going there, I thought that was huge because the big thing for Netflix is that they've been striking gold lately and really going hard for animated and kid-friendly, family-friendly stuff. And Raul Dahl kind of rides that line. They could probably get stuff that's maybe more aimed at kid kids. The Matilda musical that they have in tow is probably more set in that direction but something like this you know fantastic mr fox was kind of that where it's like this is kind of like his area in the grown-up section uh but playing in a in a kid fashion like kind of right there where it's family friendly but maybe not kitty kitty you know like you can't be too young if you're going to involve it But to me, especially like Fantastic Mr. Fox, Isle of Dogs, he likes to do this stuff where he's kind of Moonrise Kingdom, like like stuff where it's like it's playfully, you know, from a from a child's perspective or in like this animation style that kind of, you know, tends to skew younger. But it also has enough stuff on the bone for the adults who are in the room and and at times almost like goes right to them. Uh, yeah, and you yeah. mentioned like the witches and all these other kind of Raul Dahl stories. They kind of all went through that line where it's like, it's really kind of diving into the somewhat terror of, of being a kid while oh, yeah. also, you know, cause when you're a kid, you're just a nervous, anxious puddle half the time, you know, cause you, you don't have any control over your life. And if your parents aren't around or a teacher's not right there, or sometimes the teacher is the, the source of anxiety in your life, you know, there's so many things from that perspective that you can kind of play with. And I think that's why dolls work was so appealing uh, whether strange or you know abstract or however oh, yeah. you can position him, but he was also something that appealed to a lot of, of children, uh, myself included, when I was that age. So, mm-hmm. um, but I agree with you. The chocolate factory stuff, get the stop already. Like I'm just <laughs> done. Once they announced that uh, Timothy Chalamet won two, whatever, I was like, stop, yeah. done. I get it. It's IP, but I didn't like the Johnny Depp ones. Let's just fucking no. end it. 
I mean, Taika is probably the better suited person of all the people I've heard with these things. But honestly, I don't know. I, I you're you're right. I would have to see a trailer that gives me some kind of perspective Something. that I'm like, all right, he gets it. This might be a unique enough slant. It's different from yeah. the Gene Wilder, you know, older perspective. Like, okay, fine, we could do yeah. that. But yeah, but in this context, the Wes Anderson wonderful story of Henry Sugar with Benedict Cumberbatch and crew, I'm in. I'm 100% in. I am. I'm yeah. fully confident. And if it's one of those things where it's he's going to do multiple of these movies because of having more short stories, mm -hmm. I'm also very cool with that. And the one thing with Wes Anderson, I don't know how much you know about him with his uh, productions or whatever. He gets funding from like the weirdest places. Like he has like this indian paintbrush indian artbrush company or something like some okay. where he gets weird it's not like standard studio backing right. ever um so he could basically make whatever he wants already but he has to go through like these kind of you know alternative sources of financing and i don't know yeah. if that changes how often he does stuff or what productions he does do but if he could do a netflix movie and take that cash and then turn around and just do a bunch of other stuff with that awesome Awesome. I mean, Good for you. Take, do your one cash in with something that you already are a big fan of and that it suits you. It's not like you're just doing a quote paycheck movie. Yeah. Um, do it and and go, man. That's awesome. I, I'm actually, you know, happy for that one. You know, it's not like somebody who's just taking advantage of the Netflix funds and then getting out. I think this could be something for him, you know. Wes Anderson, he's a very unique guy, and he has a good relationship with those financiers. But at the same yeah. time, you know, if he wants to get a lot of projects at Netflix, they would gladly, gladly take him. He's one of the uh, select few, I believe, has, you know, carte blanche. Yeah. The, just here are the keys. Do what you want. Yeah. And he retains all his, all his creative freedom. Sure. Uh, I don't, I don't see many people saying, no, you know who you should cast in this? You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. people he's dealt with before. It's people he's used to working with. Yeah. And yeah, just let him go, let him explore, let him do what he wants. And he comes back with a product that people keep on coming to, to watch. Yeah. And, he's and a very him. specific auteur who, yeah. you know, exactly what you're going to get. Uh, to various degrees in his films. And the one thing that you're definitely going to get is name and star recognition. And that's one thing that Netflix is also very desperate for in their projects. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to do something that's live action and you're going to bring in the cast that he's he tends to do, yeah. holy crap, that's a great pairing. Um, I'm excited for it. You know, because even Fantastic Mr. Fox, like the voice actors that he got, like he got Clooney. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. it's like, you know, it, 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 that's what you want. And that's what Netflix wants. And, and those are the type of projects that I can definitely get excited for um, and get behind. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely in for this. Um, that's kind of like the last of, of the news notes that I have for okay. us. I mean, the one thing I did see today, if you want, like, the freshest hot off the, hot off the presses, Guillermo okay. del Toro's uh, Pinocchio came yes. out with a small clip today um and it was interesting it was it was cool kind of seeing uh i believe it's ewan mcgregor plays uh the cricket character jiminy cricket I, if they they're don't gonna call him jiminy. jiminy they don't no. 
Uh, I no. forgot what the exact. That's why I said the cricket character. Uh, and it's interesting <laughs> that the cricket like lives inside his chest, and they'd show that whole thing. So it's very unique. It's yeah. very cool, and and I'm excited to to see it. But they put, I believe, they set a December date on that. So we got almost a year where we're gonna finally see the Guillermo del Toro vision of Pinocchio, which I hear is going to be a much darker version yeah. and closer to like the original tale. So you know, again, that's another one that's like. I'm getting Pinocchio'd out. Like we just did. Yeah. Like uh, there was another one that came out. Like I think last year, or the year before, and then you know, there's I believe another like Disney version that's going to come out soon too, and then yes. also Del Toro. So God, I hope I'm just not like just seriously like over it by the time his comes out. I but, know. Uh, I like the animation style that they brought out. Everyone should go check out uh, the Netflix film socials, and you can check out that clip. Uh, or probably, you know, YouTube or something else. But it's only like a minute long, so yeah, do the social media route. But, all right, Chris, but I think we'll stop there with the news, and then when we yes. get back after this break, we will finally take on Munich, the Edge of War. We'll be right back. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the Queen of Queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. All right, Christopher Dallas was here to help me review Munich, The Edge of War, a movie that came out on Netflix this past Friday on the 21st. Uh, it's a movie that debuted in the BFI London Film Festival back in October. Um, I, I, I was even more excited about it because it recently popped up on the uh, BAFTA long list for Outstanding British Film of the Year. So I don't know if it's going to make the cut in terms of the full nominations because it's a pretty packed uh, list that it was under, but... Wow, I was I was encouraged by, you know, maybe this is even better than my expectations were. This is a, a World War, kind of a prelude to World War II historical drama uh, based on the novel Munich by Robert Harris. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, a lot of his work has been adapted uh, to film, whether like a TV movie version or film version. Um, probably the most notable that I knew uh, Chris, I don't know if you've seen the Roman Polanski movie, The Ghost Rider, with Ewan McGregor and Pierce no, Brosnan. No, I, I didn't watch it, but I'm aware of it, yeah. Yeah, that is based on uh, his book. I believe his book was just called The Ghost, but it's uh, The Ghost Rider. Uh, that was uh, a Robert Harris uh, book. Um, he uh, also had An Officer and a Spy, 
Enigma. That was a Kate Winslet movie back years ago that uh, was uh, adapted from Robert Harris. Uh, Fatherland was an yep. HBO movie. Um, and Archangel was a BBC TV movie, I believe, as well. Uh, he's a novelist now. He's very prolific. A lot of his stuff has been adapted, as we noted, but he was a former journalist and nonfiction yeah. writer. So a lot of the stuff that he tends to write about is in that historical drama, you know, uh, you know, these kind of uh, historical fiction where we were talking off air where yeah. it's it's a really tough line with historical fiction because we're dumb Americans. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, we're watching something and we go, all right. I like this, but which parts are true, which parts are not, because right. I don't have any clue. And then you try to, like, you're at a party, like you maybe saw it the day before, and you just go, hey, saw this movie. I couldn't believe that they had this whole thing going on. Yeah. And then somebody who actually has read a book goes, no, you fucking idiot. Like, that, they made up that part to make the other parts better. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go no. drink my face off dip? and forget what this happened. <laughs> you're going to try the dip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, like I said, I was encouraged for this one, uh, especially even once I saw the trailer. Uh, pretty uh, Some notable names in the cast, uh, as this is kind of you know a British production. Um, it's George McKay plays Hugh Legat in this film. He, uh, he of 1917, uh, a couple years ago, he was kind yeah. of the main character of that one. He's also from Captain Fantastic, if you ever seen yeah, that as well. Yeah, that's where I know him from. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Captain Fantastic. I didn't see uh, 1917. I recommend yeah. 1917. And it's of course. cool. I, you know, George McKay, like, it's it's kind of cool that he's doubling down with the kind of the wartime stuff, the those type of things. Yep. He's got a very interesting look. I don't know where his future can go. I don't I don't see anything specifically for him. But I like that he, he at least chooses very interesting uh, products, uh, projects to do. So... Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely in his corner uh, thus far. I'm going to probably butcher his name, as will be a theme as this will go on, because oh it's kind of like German co- you know, co-production BBC stuff. Um, I'm going to go with Giannis... New owner? Sure. New owner? Giannis New owner. Uh, he plays Paul Von Hartman. He was in the Netflix film Mute with Alexander Skarsgård uh, and Paul Rudd. That movie's not very good, so I don't. I wouldn't go like, I "Hey, if you liked him in this, go check that out." I, I don't know about that one. I, uh, I don't even know what party he played. Like, I saw his listing for it, and I'm just yep. like, I, I don't remember. Same way, he's not in the top <laughs> four or five, at least in no. that movie. Probably, um, no. Jeremy Irons plays the former UK Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain in here. Him, I just watched House of Gucci, so he's right front in my mind uh, with that. Uh, Sandra Holler, who plays uh, Helen Winter, uh, is in this as well. She was just in I'm Your Man, which is this uh, German uh, film that's kind of going around uh, in the best international feature stuff uh, in terms of nominations going around right now. Um, yep. One other person I wanted to mention was Ulrich Matisse. Matt Matisse? Mattis? I don't know. <laughs> um, but he he's the one who plays Adolf Hitler in this film. And it, he also played, uh, he was also in Downfall, which is about, you know, uh, the end of World War II for Germany. Yeah. And he plays Joseph Goebbels. So, okay. like, he's now, like, he's. I feel like he's just now, like, collecting all, like, the big Nazi 
characters of the time. Like he's just going to bounce around like, you know, who's he going to play next? You know, that's why, you know, like which of the big nasties, you know, or or is he going to switch side and start playing, you know, Mussolini or somebody else, you know, is he going to go further back and be Stalin? You know, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I kept on looking at him and I'm saying, this is like Hitler from wish. (laughs) From wish. yeah, like you know, he ordered Hitler. The watered down Hitler, Hitler like. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He captured the essence. I've definitely seen. This is a sad state of affairs because there's so many World War II movies. You could be like, yeah, I've seen better Hitlers, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> like it's, I, it, it's an odd uh, defense, but yeah. you know, it's just like, hmm, I don't Including know. Including the guy who played Hitler in Downfall was actually a little bit better too. So right. Th- th- there's definitely a bunch of people who have kind of like captured it better in the past. But that's uh, but the thing yes. is, is that really like something you brag about? Just like, nah. I'm known to be the best Hitler out yeah. there. <laughs> Taika Watiki, Watiki uh, was a better Sir Hitler. Sir Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. yeah, yeah just sure. get him in there. Yeah. Um, this is directed by, we were talking about his last name, uh, Christian Schwachow. 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 Um, he previously directed three episodes wow. of the crown for Netflix. So he's kind of, you know, in the, in the purview of, uh, of Netflix had him on the radar there. Um, his, he's had multiple films surrounding world war two or the Berlin wall. He's got a lot of historical dramas on his resume. So it seemed like a good fit in terms of the person who helms this, um, the current critical scores, a 6.9 on IMDb, a 53 Metascore, which I think is Far too low, but we'll get there. Um, 84% tomato meter. It is certified fresh. Uh, 79% audience score and a 3.3 on Letterboxd. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the trailer, doesn't know the story, it's basically centered around the tense 1938 Munich conference where former friends who now work for opposing governments become reluctant spies racing to expose a Nazi secret. Um one of the things that uh, you know you and I have gone through in terms of trying to establish um, what is true, what is not in the terms yeah. of this movie. One thing for anyone to to know uh, that Hartman and Legat, uh, the two leads here, are fictional characters, um, but Robert Harris did confirm that they are partially inspired by the diplomat Adam von Trautzusoltz and the scholar. Good one. Good one. Yeah. A.L. Rose, uh, the latter, uh, who is gay, wrote about his intense platonic attachment to Trot at Oxford. So, again, a pair of o- former Oxford students, friends that got yep. together who, grew, you know, went on to become, you know, people who identified in, in various parts of the government or kind of that kind of thing. So I could see where that fits. Trot uh, went on to join Klaus von Stauffenberg's 1944 plot to assassinate Hitler uh, that failed and Trot was executed. You can uh, see that story in the movie Valkyrie uh, with yeah. Tom Cruise that came out years ago. I believe they just call it the July plot, um, but definitely, obviously, it's Project Valkyrie or Operation Valkyrie to a lot of people because, again, dumb Americans, we just go with whatever <laughs> was fed to us. And if Tom Cruise is in it, that is gospel, apparently. Um, so there is a lot of stuff uh, that you can find to see what is or is not true. Um, but that is the tough part about historical fiction. And I think a lot of the things that we might criticize or I might see people criticize is based on 
some of the fictionalizations or some of the slants that maybe they took liberty with uh, yeah. that isn't maybe what the general consensus is about this subject, which has happened a lot recently with more, maybe more fictionalized versions of historical fiction. I think of like Inglorious Bastards or yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where, you know, people got really mad at like the Bruce Lee scene. It's like, well, it's, yes, Bruce Lee existed. Yes, he worked on stuff like this. But obviously this is a fantasy and it's not really exactly how he was. So they kind of took liberties with kind of being like a heightened weird version of himself yeah. maybe not an exact replica so they got dinged for that a lot of people you know got very mad at tarantino for that and of course you know inglorious bastards you know <laughs> the way that movie ends up it's kind of like again it's kind of a, a historical fantasy in a way of yeah. like this is how we would have liked this story to end although the bastards were based on real life you know group that you know kind of got together that doesn't make this historically accurate so you know it, it kind of dips back and forth um netflix has also done a lot of these kind of historical dramas uh you know historical fiction uh with the dig or the guernsey literary and potato peel society both kind of being uh british films uh that kind of dip in around this period too um netflix has a ton of world war ii era films um the forgotten battle which uh, ended up almost being right there, knocking on the door of my top five of the year last year, uh, just came out. I definitely recommend that one. Uh, yeah. They also have The Resistance Banker and The Photographer of Methusen. Methusen? Methusen? Um, we'll I'm going to butcher all of these. I'm just not hitting the nail on the, the German of it all or any of that. So what did you feel about this movie? Because to me, I think a lot of the things that collide in this story – are things that I am always down to watch. Like, I love a good spy espionage film, even the ones that don't quite work, I kind of, like, at least get some enjoyment out of. Right. And for this, anytime, it's so easy, just as Indiana Jones, like, it's so easy to dial up, hey, we're going to go after the Germans in this movie. Uh, uh, World War II, Nazi Germany. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's do this. Yep. Let's do this. I I'm down. So, to me... A lot of those things align to where uh, I did enjoy this movie. Where did you sit uh, after watching this film? Uh, I probably didn't uh, enjoy it as much as you did. How dare uh, you? But uh, <laughs> because of the, because of the the hangups of uh, you know what to believe, what not to believe, mm. um, I feel the espionage that we we're promised throughout the film uh, wasn't as prominent until later in the movie, mm -hmm. you know, uh, where everything pretty much comes to a head, uh, the information, whether it's going to get there or not. But, uh, I'm down for a good drama and this sure. had plenty of drama, uh, speaking, uh, about, you know, what we know from the information given, uh, to us by the internet, uh, that the, uh, the characters were made up and then they were, you know, kind of like stitched together from uh, real people. Did you feel like there was a connection with uh, Legat and um, and Paul? It's uh, simple, but, you know, especially when you're talking about people who you see as friends, but they're kind of like, 
you ever have those friends where you're like, yeah, I'm friends with that guy, but we constantly fight because we just have an open enough, honest relationship that we could talk about heavy subjects that we could fight yeah. about where most people you just wouldn't even try. It's one of those relationships. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, they had a falling out. Mm-hmm. They come back together for this operation yeah. and, you know, I, I, I bought it for whatever it is. They don't make it any more. Hmm, they don't make it any more glossy than it is. Uh, I don't, you know, they make it where it's like, yes, they were friends. They do just enough to sell me the friendship. And obviously even uh, not to be too spoiler or whatever, there's a third character from the opening Oxford group yes. that also makes a reappearance in here that creates even more kind of like a dramatic moment that kind of like, brings that in a little bit more um i bought it i was in on that too uh i was you know uh following the emotions uh as that was unfolding too so i did i did go through um i I will say and and some of what you're saying is part of the criticism that i have read where they were like well you know a movie that is about you know centered around hitler in the prelude to world war ii and kind of you know, this sliding doors moment of like what you could have done with the information you had of what Hitler's goals were and things like yeah. that. And what would you have done, um, you know, for Hitler to not show up until, you know, what, halfway through the movie, About even that, though yeah. he's kind of uh, mentioned quite a bit in that first half. But he really doesn't show up uh, until the, the second half. And then one of the things I, I noted, especially when I was kind of doing a second rewatch, you know, like a rewatch today and, um, mm-hmm. about 45 minutes into the movie is really when I thought it kicked into gear, like what this movie is when, right. when the actual, uh, operation, the, the kind of, you know, illegal espionage kind of transpires between right. the two friends that happens about 45 minutes into the movie. And this is a movie that's a little over two hours. So, could they have gotten to things faster? Could they have, you know, eliminated certain things, especially if you're creating kind of these historic, you know, made up characters in a way? Could you have like kind of pared things down to get faster to the actual crux at hand? Probably. But, you know, it didn't bother me. I know it bothered some, like I said, some of the criticism that I read was, you know, for how long it gets to the, basically the meat of the sandwich. So to me, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me at all. Um, it's a little (laughs) for being all these things, it is a little simple and it does start a little slow. Um, so that maybe, uh, took my grade down a little bit, but it is, like I said, just my kind of story, you know, just enough historical basis mixed with political intrigue and some high stakes tension, you know, throw a Hitler in there for, for fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's what makes you stay engaged. You know, it's, it's, a, it's enough there. Uh, plus, you know, I think part of the reason why this movie probably got made is, uh, the flashback scene in the middle, um, yep. where you can draw some parallels to current political figures mm-hmm. and movements, uh, within certain parties that can now be drawn if you want to make them, let's put it that way. Um, they, they were drawn pretty realistically too. Yeah, and and, I was just like, this is like hit you over the head, obvious, you know. (laughs) It's a grounded view, but honestly, that was a lot of the sentiment and and of the things that are historically accurate. Um, from what I understand, a lot of the praise for the film that I read was 
that Robert Harris, if not for anything else, you know, some people don't like the fact that he worked with uh, Roman Blansky a lot. Some people don't like uh, that he plays with certain perspectives of historical accuracy or whatever. But the one thing that they said was that the stuff that is historically accurate and most of his books are very, very accurate and very detailed and well-researched because that is the journalist in him and a person who used to write major nonfiction publications about these periods. So he knows a lot. Um, So that I, I, for outside of the two main characters being kind of like a combination character, a lot of this stuff is very true. And and I know um, one of the things that you mentioned uh, towards the end um, where there's an intense moment uh, with a confrontation with Hitler towards the end that uh, it bothered you that that was probably inaccurate or again kind of like a a combination thing that got thrown in there um so you know i can't fault people for going well this didn't happen or it it couldn't it couldn't have happened based on the our current knowings of of what went on so you know it took you out of the movie i could buy those criticisms but again i was just kind of just following the story as not taking it for real life gospel, but also right. taking it for does this fit with the people in this story? And I thought they absolutely did. One other uh, thing that people will do is uh, the movie attempts to recontextualize the career of uh, Chamberlain. And yeah. I I haven't spoken to any of my my friends from across the pond, but from what I understand... He's very criticized over there. Like they actually like the whole Munich agreement in history has been mentioned very like so many times as basically like uh, an embarrassment, essentially, uh, that people bring up in other countries of like that was so embarrassing. This is our Munich agreement. Like they say it in such condescending tones. And yet this is this movie paints Chamberlain as kind of like a knowing winking figure that kind of is just more like a a, not a bleeding heart but he's kind of like a character who you know the country just went through so much with world war one that he Mm -hmm. just wanted anything else but war and sometimes to his detriment and i think they make him more appealing and sympathetic in this movie than maybe he has as a historical legacy especially when most World War II movies feature like Churchill just being like this huge, looming, intelligent figure. Yeah. Uh, See The Darkest Hours, another historical uh, fiction drama. Um, But, you know, that is something that might not sit well with people. And that's why I found it interesting that the the BAFTA, which is the the British uh, Film Awards, uh, has it on its long list because – that means that enough people over there had to take in this information and didn't spit it right back out as like, fuck you, you took one of our worst, most embarrassing moments of appeasing Hitler and, you know, put it in a in a different light that makes it easier to digest. And yeah. I, I don't know if a lot of people will accept that in a movie. Do you, did you yeah. have any thoughts on that? The other... I guess criticism I have of the film is leading up to the big, you know, meat of the sandwich uh, was it was a lot of talk, a lot of 
exposition, not exposition in something like this. Can you really call it exposition? <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, the information given, uh, yeah. from then into 45 minutes in, uh, you are given a lot to digest. Yeah. And you know, you're like, do I connect with this now? <laughs> Will it pay off later? Right. Do I just, you know, say casually, okay, that's what they said for this scene moving on, you know, right. um, the way I looked at it was, and we'll get into it later as we talked off mic, certain actions that were taken weren't fully realized until the end credits where they right. give the information, uh, as to what really happened. Yeah. Or they uh, play up really the happened, significance they, yeah. of something. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Which, by the way, that is all historically accurate. So if you yes. want to actually just state it plainly, go for it. Uh, just the, the fact that um, Jeremy Irons, uh, he knew Hitler's intent. Right. Even though Hitler was like, you know, nope, nope, I'll, I'll sign this and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just appease people. You right. know, Chamberlain was like, no, I see through your, your BS and I'm going to make you sign this agreement. Right. Meanwhile, it'll give me a year to plan for your inevitable your inevitable betrayal. I yeah. didn't get that until the that last paragraph in the yeah. credits. Yeah. Uh, because it wasn't really portrayed that way. Jeremy Irons didn't really, uh, you know, it, it, he didn't give that wink to the camera. Like, I know what you really are, and sure. I'm going to make you think that I'm like this. Oh, this this nice guy who's going to let you get away with it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I was sort of confused with that. Yeah, because he had a, a simple philosophy. He just didn't want to go back to war. Like, right. he was all about, I'm going to try to root for peace. And so for him, it was the way they portray it is, you know, he has Hitler, Hitler not only sign the agreement that was at the Munich conference where, you know, the whole, uh, basically appeasing Hitler, give him back some lands that were previously German territory that's yeah. in that was in then Czechoslovakia and yep. and kind of stop him from taking all of Czechoslovakia essentially yeah. um and then have them kind of move on as trying to stop the spread of Germany and the Nazi regime throughout Europe and enter into a larger large scale war um yeah. but you know at that time it was like he thinks this is the right thing to do to stop the spread. But now that they had other documents and everything, knowing Hitler's true intent, that yeah. basically it was like, well, we know that at some point he's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah. So he made him sign a secondary uh, form, uh, you know, contract, however, a yeah. treaty that, you know, says peace amongst those two nations were you know lasting in perpetuity um and i think yeah it was like six months to a year before he ended up going back and taking all of czechoslovakia for his own and then and invaded poland yeah and then poland and hungary and everything else just kind of like went uh full tilt on that and going into full-scale world war ii so yeah you know so chamberlain gets the rap of you know he stood down hitler and was like all right buddy i'm gonna give you this treat now 
Now we're yeah. cool, right? Like, so a yeah. lot of people frowned on that. Uh, Chamberlain, or excuse me, um, Winston Churchill, who took over later, was a loud critic of Chamberlain. Chamberlain would end up uh, resigning, I think, yeah. less than two years later after his agreement. Um, so you got to... Yeah. I, I, I basically it was like he lost the house. You know, he, he basically just had no support and ended up resigning and and Churchill took over right in the throes of uh Hitler spread. So you know and then shortly after he had died of cancer. Yeah. yeah. After his wife uh had passed away too in that time. So he had a part. really tough yeah. uh end of life there. Um so you know it, knowing all those things and seeing how this goes, you want to root for the thought of like, all right, he was doing this to buy time for a country yeah. that was just ravaged from World War One. Like, if we're gonna go to war, I want to at least be prepared. Yeah, but that is not generally the full consensus of historical accuracy to a lot of people, including right. the people who took over for him. So, again, is this movie? something that would bother historians or bother, you know, people who are really invested in uh what happened during this time. Sure, I could buy that. But as a movie and as the story that I was told and yeah. and knowing that, you know, even the lead characters don't fully exist, um I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what it was. I enjoyed the the tension that was there. I enjoyed the story. Yeah. Um and I can handle some nuances uh you know vamping with history whatever you want to yeah. do whatever yep. you want to say um so I, I was into it um i would say if i was to put a grade on it the old letterbox five star thing yeah. i gave it a three and a half in my mind okay all right i uh, feel the way you're talking you're in two and a half three territory that's essentially where i am uh i can be swayed either way but like right now two and a half like I said, talking with you, Andrew, as we know from past experiences, <laughs> yeah, you can always bump me back up, you know. Yeah, but sure. uh, yeah, two and a half. Uh, it, it wasn't a terrible watch. Uh, right. It, it, like I said, it was more talky for my taste. Right. But I thought from the trailer, I was going to get from beginning to end uh, spy stuff, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of people are seeing this and thinking it's going to be closer to, like, Valkyrie. You know, that kind of feeling where you're like, all right, we got to stop this guy. Let's do this backroom Ocean's Eleven style, you know, like, war dealing where it's, you know, you literally have, you know, these backroom meetings. And there is some of that in here. But, you know, getting really on the inside and doing all these things. Like, I don't know if you thought how much you thought was more appealing at times did you like feel more at home or at least more invested in when the internal plot of taking out hitler arresting him and probably killing him was being established in the beginning or when things got more at the conference where you're actually seeing hitler and you're like right there uh dealing with him and trying to get the right documents in the right hands and get the right reactions to to Hitler's uh, future plans. Yeah. So the initial plot of the general's wife. You're talking uh, about Mrs. Winters? Yes. Yeah, the Mrs. one that Winters. he's kind of like sleeping with or whatever? 
Yeah, like I, I couldn't understand that. I'm like, is that the husband right there? Is that is that and they're just standing together and I'm just like, This is yeah. weird. Yeah, they're they're discussing the the plot of of taking him out. You know, they're like, as soon as he does this, that'll be it. It will arrest him. Right. We'll you know, we'll we'll do whatever we can to stop him from what he's inevitably gonna do. Right. Um, their more their fear of Hitler was for the first, I don't know, twenty minutes of this movie, yeah. maybe a little bit more, their biggest fear was he was gonna invade Czechoslovakia, which none of the generals wanted to do because it meant war with Britain and France. And right. then they're like, Oh wait, there's more. <laughs> uh he yeah. wants actually all of that and then keep going. Um Yeah, all the way to uh Russia. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the end game from what I was reading online was that in that document that uh, they never really show you like the full details or fully no. explain it, but basically mm-hmm. it gets all the way to um, Siberia where they wanted to like move large scales of people to Siberia and kind of like kill them or reassign them or do whatever they were going to do, like right. let them freeze out their end days and then uh, repopulate with like a handful of German ideal candidates and then yep. repopulate in the you know eye of you know hitler perfect hitler youth you know so yeah. there's a lot of it's just horrible stuff um so but they don't obviously go deep into those things but right. it was enough of like no 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 no. Czechoslovakia is step one there's like 12 steps here yeah, yeah of course yeah that it, it seemed like to me that they were at the bar Right. They're out in public. They're talking freely about stuff that they should, you know, be behind closed doors. A little bit. But you understand, like, a lot of these spy movies, they do that where it's like, oh, it's really loud at this club or this bar. Let's find a place where, like, there's not a ton of people around. But even if they are, we'll keep it low enough to where they probably can't hear every single word we're saying. But yeah, you hope. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I I don't know. Like I said, I I guess I was more invested uh, in the plot and and enjoyed it a little bit more. I thought yeah. the performances were good. I don't know if you uh, had any kind of dog in the fight there at all. Um, we also well established your last name is German, so there's a yeah. lot of things at play. <laughs> uh, but the British actors, I would imagine, you maybe enjoyed. Um, you're like, I didn't like it when they were speaking that English. Um, <laughs> I gotta <laughs> say, they like did the, the German, yeah, the uh, the the German was uh, the the accents were uh, very on point. Yes. Um, I know a little German. He's right over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello. Um, was it was it George McKay learned German? Learned yeah, to speak yeah, that German? was impressive. I saw that little bit. Yeah, and uh, I was gonna say you couldn't tell me uh, that. He wasn't from there, right? Um, but they're like, you know, he learned enough, you know, yeah, to get by. But, I think um, one thing that's interesting with this too is that the two leads are very boyish, you know. So it's not yeah. one of these stories where you're like these commanding men are like taking action. It's like, no, these yeah. are two scared shitless, just out of, of you know, a few years out of college age kids who are trying to, you know, do novice spy tech that they've never done in their lives or not to this extreme level and they're doing it with the largest uh you know figures in european history of the time 
Oh yeah, and I was gonna say the um, the guy Paul. I kept mm-hmm. on looking at him like he looks like um, uh, Tom Holland. Uh, yeah, a little I bit. could buy that. I could buy I that. Saw, bit, I kept yeah. on looking. I'm like, man, he could be confused. Uh, True. Or uh, or he looked a little like um, Eggsy from Kingsman. Yes, I actually buy that a little bit more. Even yeah, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, they they have that going for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Open up brand new futures in the MCU. That's usually yeah. how it works, right? You do a World War II movie, and then you just jump right into yeah. now. I'm gonna be. Uh, <laughs> man thing or oh that'd be awesome yeah <laughs> we'll get him into casting right away yeah exactly oh god hey man if oscar isaac could be moon knight like we're just we're just draw any good actor you want to throw in let's yep. just start drumming up the works um well, marvel doesn't have that netflix money i'm sure oh yeah no they're flat broke it's, uh <laughs> they're, they're strained they're strained all over the place um but thanks for doing this, man. This was this was good. Um, I, I my biggest thing about this movie, and I want to uh, put this on record. The reason why the last few weeks of this show have been kind of like, hey, let's look back at twenty twenty one stuff, yeah. or let's kind of like dip into this thing. No, no, no. Uh, that was because nothing's really come out. So this is kind of the first, yeah, ain't mostly English language. Uh, prominent feature that has come out and uh, again to enjoy something in January is a blessing so I will take it and maybe that's why once it was like not you know a bad movie I was just like all in but but I enjoyed it Uh, I'm with it Uh, it's one of those things that I hope we can only go up from here but then uh, I know that uh, the next month or so is tough sledding in terms of uh, Netflix movies. Like March looks a little more promising with yeah. stuff like the Adam project starring Ryan Reynolds and uh, gosh, I'm probably forgetting a bunch of other things, but basically March looks a little more promising. Yeah. Um, but February, if you're a tall girl fan, which I know you might be, uh, maybe uh, you're looking forward to that sequel, but um, <laughs> you know, February, otherwise, uh, kissing bit. booth four. <laughs> you can only hope i mean this time last year that's what we were doing like we were all in on the uh to all the boys sequel uh yep. you know the last one there so you know i don't even get the luxury of that i'm trying to go hmm i think there is a tyler perry coming out this month oh, or something. yeah yeah medea is coming back chris uh, don't you mess please no please yeah no. yeah can we learn our lessons before my <laughs> no, goodness absolutely not Ugh. um but again, thank you for doing this. And obviously, you know, hey, you get to stamp yet another one in the passport as our foreign ambassador. So congratulations. Hi. You get Germany and the UK. My uh, my spy bag now has uh, another passport in there for me to use. You know, my, there my you go. go-to bag, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, so, so I know you've been more active with the uh, the reviewing on Letterbox or other places. Like so, tell the folks, you know, what's going on with you, sir? Where they can find you on the socials and and maybe Letterbox and and really put it out there for the folks. Yeah, I just uh, I just figured out today uh, that my uh, Letterbox is arguing with me, not yes. arguing with myself. Arguing with me on Letterbox, uh, arguing with on my Instagram, uh, in which you will see my, uh, creative endeavors are more visual than, right. uh, the written word lately, but, uh, I'm trying to, uh, spread myself evenly in the, uh, universe. Correct. Um, 
I also have a .com that I should really promote more and do more with, but it's uh, <laughs> arguingwith.com, uh, arguingwithmyself.com. Um, yes. It's uh, my blog. It's uh, a hub for all the good stuff that I do. And hopefully you visit and enjoy the things that I do. Yeah, you should really like kind of line up all the uh, the passport stuff for you. Really kind of like put that as like a collection somewhere on the web page. That would be awesome. Oh, that, to- that would be right. I, yeah. I have to go back and I have to uh, I have to see what I, what stamps I missed. It'd be awesome if you can get like an interactive map of like reviews where like you hover over the country and it's like, ooh, look, yeah. he was at you know, he was at uh, Red Sea Diving Resort in the yep. you know base Africa, of Africa. Right yeah, yeah, there you go. But excellent stuff, man, as always. So I appreciate you you coming on and and diving into this one with me. So thanks again for coming on. We'll have you on real soon. Anytime. Anytime.